Good morning. That is a good song. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. Started into Ephesians last week a little bit. Read the first 10 verses. If you have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. So I'm going to read, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This first section of scripture is one sentence in the Greek. It just, Paul just kind of continues to go on in this whole setting of Ephesus. Ephesus is talked about all over in the New Testament. Well, when I say all over, it's talked about in Acts chapter 18, 19, and 20. It's also talked about in Revelations uh, chapter 2. And Ephesus had a lot going on. One of the, the god Artemis was in kind of over everything there. Uh, there was, they worshiped Artemis. And so when Paul came in and started preaching and teaching in that area, people started following Jesus. And so Artemis, they made, they made little like idols to him. And, uh, they were these things. And if you read Acts, you find out that he was kind of starting to make people mad. And they're kind of all right at first about him talking about Jesus, but all of a sudden when he started talking about Jesus, they stopped following Artemis. And Paul would make statements as, you know, there's the, if it's made by a human hand, it can't be a god, which made <laughs> the people upset. And these guys started, it said in the scriptures that these guys were making lots of money selling their idols. And so it was cut into their cells and cut into uh, them making a profit. And so they wanted to make sure that they would stop. And so he got together. He was a silversmith. He talks about Max. Got together with other guys that um, that were making a profit off of this and said, well, this, this guy's got to be stopped. You read in, the, in Acts, the church at that time was called the way. And it talks about the way and saying this, the way has to be stopped. And so they got together in the courts, and they brought, they dragged in two of Paul's people. And Paul kind of wanted to go in. He was kind of feisty guy, but they, the disciples wouldn't let him. And it says in the text, it acts, and it says that they, they got everybody to focus back on Artemis. And it says they chanted, great is Artemis, for two hours in the courtyards. And it said after that, um, the council got up and said, obviously, Artemis is from God. All the people are chanting his name. Uh, are, uh, obviously, Jesus, the way will go away. Well, today we know. Have you, anybody ever heard of Artemis? 
maybe not. It sounds like Jesus won. But that was kind of what was going on in Ephesus. There was this big, there was a lot going on. And so when Paul wrote this letter to the people of Ephesus, he was in jail. And so when he's talking to them, he's, he's writing for the jail, so he knows what's going on there, and he's trying to encourage the people, because they know it's pretty tough to live there. Well, and so he says to them, he tells, comes to them and says, I, he talks to them, he says, I'm Paul by the will of God, and he says, and he's writing to the saints. So he's talking to all the Christians, trying to help them to understand who they are in Christ. It says in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And so this idea today I want to focus on is for us to remember that we're blessed. He says that we're blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Now the word blessing, does anybody know what that means? It means made holy. Blessing, the, the word needs to be made holy. And so we're made holy, and it says, in Christ. So I want to focus on a few things. How do we know that we have this spiritual blessing? And what are the blessings, and why do we have it? And so, and then how, how we know we have it. I'm going to focus on those four things this morning. The first one is how we get the spiritual blessing. The first one is, I just read it to you, it's in Christ. Verse 4 says this, it says, Even as he chose us in who? In him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Down to verse 6, he says, To the praise and glory, uh, glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now the beloved is Jesus. Verse 7 says, In him we have redemption. So who do we have this in? It's in, in Christ. And one more time in verse 10, it says, It's a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. And so how do we get this spiritual blessing? It's in him. That's how we get it. Now, to become a Christian, you need to be united with Christ. And all blessings come from from him. Now, for you to understand this, if you think about theologians, when they talk about this idea, um, they say that we're both in him legally and we're in him vitally. But for you to understand what that particular, what that means to be united with him, the best thing I could talk about is, is marriage. If two spouses come to a marriage, um, you have one that's poor, maybe doesn't have a lot of money, has doesn't have much to bring to the marriage. Maybe someone has a lot to bring to the marriage. Maybe they've done things right, they saved their money, they don't have a lot of credit debt, whatever it might be. But when they come together, they're united. And whatever the rich spouse has, the poor spouse has. And they're united together. And they, and they, they have what each other has at that particular place. In that particular time, you know, the poor spouse receives the marriage what the rich spouse has to bring to it. When you think about that, the Bible says that everything Jesus has, when you're united with him, is yours. When you're united with him, whatever is his is ours. If you believe in him, if you give yourself to him, you're united with him legally. Romans 6, 5 says we're united with him in death and in resurrection. So what's that mean? Why? He, he died. In his death, he went to the cross and he died for, for our sins. And so, just to kind of help you understand this a little bit, there's kind of rules in our town if you're driving in the highways. 
I did this once, maybe more than that. I, I kind of ran the light at 126 in the 101, and the officer pulled me over. And he said, you can't do that. And I said, I won't do it again. And he says, that's too bad. He gave me a ticket. I fought it, and I won. I'll tell you that story another time. But, 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 just, but anyway, at the time I went to court, I had to pay... I had to pay the ticket. I had to pay the fine. And when I paid the fine, guess what? I was no longer indebted to them. I paid the fee and no longer was. And so that's, when you think about that, when you're united with Jesus Christ and his death, it means you're free from your sin and condemnation. And you're, you don't have to, as if you died for your own sin. So if you've done something wrong, but you're united with Christ, you're free from condemnation as if you died. So, what is the resurrection? How can you be united with him in his resurrection? Well, the resurrection, whatever Jesus has, when he's resurrected, is all his vindication, when he goes to heaven, whatever he has, guess what? We have. So we're united him with death, we're free from our sin, he's paid the price, and we're also united with him in resurrection. And so everything that he deserves, you get as if you deserve, even though we know we don't sometimes, Right? And so God treats us as if Jesus, it gives us what everything Jesus deserves. So when you become a Christian, no matter what you've done, no matter what you feel like your hang-ups are, no matter your record, no matter how bad you think you are, all that Jesus has done is yours. And so when, when we, when, how do you know that you have the blessing? It means you're in him. We're united with him legally. We're also united with him vitally, which vitally is talking about his spirit. We have his spirit. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this. It's a great couple of verses. It says, his divine power has granted us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of this sinful desire. And so whatever you, everything that he has, you think we're partakers. He, he says we have, we have the divine nature when we're united with him. And so we're both united with him legally, and we're united with him vitally because he gives his spirit to us. And I don't know about you, as you sit there and think about that, I think it's somewhat comforting to know that he's given that to us. And so whatever's going on in your nature, there's no wounds that cannot be healed. There's nothing that you've ever done in your life that, that can't be overcome, that can't be redeemed. You get to be liberated because of the spirit. Now, I have a friend that likes to ask people, he has this thing that he, when he meets people, you know, are you a Christian? He asks them that question. And he says that it's very enlightening when you ask that question of people because the response kind of gives you a lot of insight. And he says, he said he asks this guy the question, and he says, I'm trying. Are you a Christian? And the Christian says, I'm trying. Now that's the wrong answer. Because as a Christian, you don't have to try. There's nothing that you do. There's nothing that you've done that's going to save you. It's Jesus did it at the cross. He went to the cross and he died for us. And so if you're here this morning and you say, hey, I'm trying to be a Christian, wrong answer. Because he already did it for you at the cross. He went to the cross and he died. 
You say by grace, not through, you say by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. So you don't have to work hard. You don't earn it. It's what he did at the cross. You could be sitting there and go, well, you know, I might feel bad. I've done some things and you don't know what I've done. Well, Paul, a guy that was, well, that kind of wrote the letter that we're talking about this morning, was a guy that persecuted Christians. Some think he might even killed Christians. He was going around with murderous threats towards Christians. And then God struck him, right? Well, in First Timothy, if you read First Timothy, he talks about what a bad guy he was. He says, I was blasphemous. He says, I persecuted the church. I came against it. He says, if there is any sinner, I'm the worst. But he learned about what God was, who he was. And he accepted his grace. He accepted his forgiveness. And Paul became confident in him. Because he was in him. In myself, I'm nothing. But in him, I'm, I'm everything. In him, I'm a sinner. I mean, in myself, I'm a sinner. Not in him. I'm sorry. That was wrong. Don't take that. But in him, I'm righteous. In myself, I'm ugly. But in him, I'm made beautiful by what he did for us. So how do we get this spiritual blessing? It's in him. That's how. It's, it's one of the most important things that we need to grasp and we need to understand. So what are, the, what are the spiritual blessings that he's talking about? He's talking about all kinds of them in this text, and this text is loaded with stuff. We could probably preach on this for months. We could talk. But I, the three of the spiritual blessings I want to give you, first one is in verse 5, is adoption. He says this, he says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Now, when you think about adoption, we talk a lot about adoption. When you talk about every child, we're talking about, you know, adopting children. That, during that time, that wasn't necessarily what they were doing. They weren't adopting children to raise them. But when he's talking about adoption, what was happening during those times, there was people that didn't have children that, like, that owned estates or lords of estates. And they get time to thinking about death, and they were like, they had, they wanted an heir to leave their stuff to. And so sometimes they would adopt children, but a lot of times it would be adults. And they would adopt adults so that they could be heirs of their stuff that they had, or heirs of their estates. And so when they would come along, they became, the person became an heir of, of that person. And what Paul is saying here is somewhat radical, because in that particular time, only men became heirs. But if you read Galatians 3.28, he's talking about people that are in Christ. He's talking about in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. He's kind of opening it all up. And he's talk, when he's talking about we're adopted, he says it doesn't matter your economics. doesn't matter who you are, whether you're male or female. Everybody has Jesus. And everybody gets, gets to be adopted when you're, when you're in him. And to be adopted means a person is no longer your boss, but he's your father. That you have security. You have an inheritance. And you also have a new name and a, and a new identity. And so when you're adopted into him, you, you're a new person with a new name and a new identity. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Your identity has changed. A second Thing, the second blessing that we get found in chapter uh, verse seven, it says, "In Him we have redemption through what? Through His blood. 
in him we have redemption. And so, what's redemption mean? Well, here's a story for redemption for you. A friend of mine was preaching in a city. There's city blocks. And he was preaching, and he came out, and there's like those meter things, and his had expired, and he came out, his car wasn't there. And so he's trying to figure out where it went, and so someone said that it got towed. And so he went to pick up his car. When he went to pick up his car, the place that he picked up his car was called the Redemption Center. And so he went in, and he paid the fine to get his car back. And when he got it, when the guy paid, he gave him a receipt and he stamped it, redeemed. And so, basically, redemption means brought out of captivity or bought out of captivity. You know, we are, we are all slaves. We're slaves to something. You can sit here and say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, if you don't believe in God, you're a slave to something. We all are slaves. You could be a, sit here, you, you could believe in God. You could be a slave to your career. You could be a slave to your to your children. You could, you're a slave to something. Maybe you could be a slave to be making a difference out of whatever it is. But we're all slaves to something. And only the only master that that is, doesn't enslave you is the Lord. He's the only master that has went to the cross and He died for you. And so your career won't you know your career won't die for your sins. Your children won't die for your sins. At least we probably shouldn't make them. Anything else, anything that leaves you, anything that's your master, uh, you're enslaved to. You know, even being, you can say, I'm working in the church or I do something in the church, I, even for myself, if, I'm, if I take this preaching thing too seriously or a teaching thing too seriously, that, that I become a slave to this. Like, well, I, well, I'm feeding the people and look at, they're getting, they're learning the word of God. And you become enslaved to it. If, this, if it becomes about preaching, that's not what it's about. Anything that takes the place of Christ, you're a slave. And that's not where we need to be, and that's not the position we need to be in. It becomes your master. Now, if, you're, if you have any other identity except the child of God, you're a slave. Because God's the only one that's died for you, the only one that went to the cross for you. So you got adoption. We, one of the blessings we have is we're adopted. Another one is that we're redeemed. Is that amen? We're redeemed. And the last, the, the last one I'm going to give you this morning is, is consummation. It's kind of this idea of resurrection. The promise of God is going to end all suffering, that he's going to, the world is going to end and it's going to start new. Is that refreshing? Is that exciting? That he's going to come back. Verse 10 says this. He says, as a plan for the fullness of time, he says, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things of earth. That he's going to, one of the blessings we have, the things that we know, that he's going to make all things new. Things are dying, right? Anybody getting older? Things die. But he says he's going to come back and he's going to make all things new. So, how do you get the blessing? It's in Christ, or in him. What are the blessings? I just give you three of adoption, redemption, that he's going to make all things new. Why, why do we get the spiritual blessings? In verse 7, and I read this just a minute ago to you, I want to read it one more time to you. It says this, it says, In him we have redemption through what? What do we have redemption through? Everybody got that? Only a few of you want to say it? Are you scared? We want to say blood in church? <laughs> Jesus gave up his perfection so that we could be included. He, 
he was bound and he was nailed to a cross so that we could be redeemed and liberated. And so he's put to death. He was, he was a substitutionary sacrifice for us. He stood in our place so that, that we can have what he has. So all things that he has are ours. So you are in him, you have union with Christ. We talked about what, what the blessings are. And why we can have the spiritual blessings is because of what he did at the cross with his, through his blood. And the last thing I'm going to give you this morning is how we know that we have the spiritual blessings. And verse 6 says this, To the praise of his glorious grace in which we, which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so how do we know we have the spiritual blessing? It's, it's grace. It's grace. The grace becomes glorious to you. Is that the theme of your life? The grace is glorious. The idea of grace is undeserved. The idea of glorious is glorious means beautiful. That when you when you look at what you have, you you you, you can't you can't believe it. You know, I told you earlier about my friend asking that question about uh, are you a Christian? And people say, you know, I'm trying. The other way people respond to that is, of course, I'm a Christian. Haven't you watched my life? Haven't you seen the things that I've done? I go to church every week. I, will, I, I tithe. I go, I, go to, I go to community group. I'm involved. And the idea behind that is it's not what you do. It's what he did. You know, Paul, when he was asked, even yourself, when we were asked that question, the right response needs to be, you know, are, are you a Christian? It's like, yeah. Can you believe it? Me? I, I, I can't believe that, that, that I'm saved. Have you seen my life, how, how much I've jacked this thing up? And Paul says that in 1 Timothy. He says, yeah, I, I did it the worst of anybody. But he had such a tone to him, such a, uh, that you know, he was just thankful. That, that grace was glorious. That it's like, I can't believe I, I get this. I can't believe that, that he's accepted me. Wretch. One of my one of my more favorite songs is a hymn that's been redone a bunch of times. But in it's come my fount song, and at the end, last whatever you call that section, he says this. It says, "Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let that goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee." Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. You pray with me. Father, we thank you for what you did for us. That you, in this letter, are trying to help us understand how blessed we are. Trying to help us understand that, that it's not what we do, but it's what you do. Trying to help us understand that you, how much you adore us, and how much you you want us, that you adopted us, that you redeemed us, that you have a plan for us, and you want us to live like we're saved. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for giving us a second chance. So, Father, for us. 
the people that sit here this morning that have a hard time accepting what you did, I pray, Father, for each one of them, that you would help them to receive what it is that you did and help help us understand that it's not what we do, but it's what you've done for us. And may we just long for you. May we live a life thankful for the grace that you give to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have communion now, and it's kind of about what we just talked about. It's that Jesus went to the cross and he died and gave his life for us. And so we take juice and bread and it's just to remember what he did. And so I, I encourage you today as you hold on to the juice, which represents his broken body and the, the bread, and the juice that represents his blood, that you just think about. How, how, how thankful are you? Is grace glorious to you? And think about what he's done for you. So we're going to sing here, sing here, pass the emblems. Just hold on to it and take it as the song's being sung. We'll pray one more time. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for us and giving your life so that we could be co-heirs with you, that we have your inheritance. We don't deserve it. We thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.